Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Slow Home Podcast. I am your host, Brooke McCallery. Joining you and me is Ben McCallery. G'day guys and hi Brooke. How are you this lovely evening? Very, very well. Good, good. I'm glad you're well because you're about to be entertained by the lovely Emily Corders. I am. You are. We all are. Exactly. Episode number 40. 46. 46. Uh, it's, a, it's a great conversation. What do you, what, one thing that I really liked about it is it involves two things that I'm completely obsessed with at the moment, and that is chicken wings and Super Bowl. Oh, chicken wings and Super Bowl. Oh, I love them so much. I can't wait to eat chicken wings again. I've got to say. Mm. Anyway, this is nor the, not the time nor the place. No, it is not. Um, no, it's yoga and meditation. Mm-hmm. Something that we've been doing every morning for the last month, I oh, guess. More than a Oh, yeah, no, about a month. Month, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah it's very timely, actually, mm. this, this conversation. I And I really, really enjoyed sort of diving down deep into those two things with Emily. She's a, a yoga teacher a meditation practitioner and she has just finished her own personal challenge of meditating daily for a year. She didn't miss a single day. And it's been, it was really, really interesting to talk to her about that because she's also an exercise physiology student. So she really comes at it from a science point of view. You know, she's, uh, she's light on the woo and heavy on the facts, which I really dig. Yeah, she is. And I I think, you actually talk about that. We do. We get yeah. a little bit into the the yeah the woo scene. <laughs> you love the woo. I like saying woo. Yeah, you really do. I even say it when it doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's yeah, it's a it's a very cool conversation. What else is going on before we get into it? With me? Um, yeah, just how's it hanging? Oh yeah. <laughs> Never ask a man that question. You should know better. I did know better and I still asked. <laughs> Going well and um, we're, I'd say you know, we're halfway through our sugar-free month now. So, you know, we're, we're, kicking, we're kicking goals, taking numbers. That's a much politer version than what I've heard of that. But yes, we are. <laughs> and today's episode is sponsored by Audible where you can get your hands and your ears on over 180,000 ebooks and other audio products from some of the, the world's leading authors. You can even get children's books, such yeah. as... I know we mentioned it last time, but it's worth did. mentioning again because... I'm just enamored with this idea because I think I always mm. kind of thought about audio books as, you know, a way to, to learn on the go, I guess, but... You think about a car trip, you think about, um, you know, spending time together in the afternoon, no screens, you can listen to an audio book. Particularly children's audio books combined with BBC Ensemble cast Mm -hmm. and you have a ticket to ride. Uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, actually, is a BBC production. (laughs) What? Nothing, I was just going to go on a big Beatles rant. Oh, go for it. No, no, no. So BBC... uh, Four, I think, produce uh, Narnia, the Tales of Narnia. What's it called? The Tales of the Complete Chronicles of Narnia, I should say. C.S. Lewis's critically acclaimed 
Novella? Novella? Nah. Massive series? Yeah. So you can you can get your hands and your ears on uh, Chronicles of Narnia or Roald Dahl books. Basically, any book that has been released recently has almost certainly got an Audible version. So anyway, if you're interested, head over to audibletrial.com. Here's, here's a preview. Come back this afternoon and I'll show you something special about my house. Okay, enough of that. That's ridiculous. So, where can people find more information about your chat with Emily? First, can I tell them where to get more information about Audible? Sure. If you're interested in grabbing yourself a free audiobook, you can head to audibletrial.com forward slash slow and you'll get yourself a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial with Audible as well. So, head over there, check it out, grab a book and enjoy. If you would like some more information about today's show though with Emily you can head over to slowyourhome.com forward slash 46 and there you will find Emily's website, which is at Sit, Breathe, Meditate. And you can also find her uh, social media information, Facebook, Sit, Breathe, Meditate and Twitter at Emily Cortez. Cortez. Sounds good. Um, enjoy the podcast, but before, pod pa- whoa, pog past. But before you do, enjoy a little bit more of Narnia. Let's just have a quick look. So, in we went. Enough of that. <laughs> Enough of that. In case we get sued. <laughs> By Audible. <laughs> get a book. Hi, Brooke. How are you? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. How are you? Really well. Um, so good. Good, it's so good to talk to you. We've yeah. like, Twitter chatted and, and whatnot. For, Instagram. Yes, for ages. It's really <laughs> yep. good to put a voice to the face. Yeah, it's lovely to talk to you too. Thanks for calling. Oh, no, that's, that's awesome. I'm just glad I could get you before you uh, head off on your big trip. Mm, packing madly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's that, it's that, I mean, heading off into the cold, it's always um, that, interesting kind of yeah. what to take it's I know and yeah it's hard to imagine it being you know freezing cold winter oh I can't wait yes. I am not a big summer person so I've had my fill of the Sydney sunshine and I'm ready to get to the snow getting out and getting the snow yeah I don't yep. blame you that's where I'd mm-hmm. be if I could <laughs> <laughs> oh dear um so for for people listening which is always a weird way to open a conversation um <laughs> so you're a you're a yoga teacher and yep. you're studying exercise physiology. Yes, I am. Yep. Um, and you're also a meditation practitioner um, mm. and also a freelance web developer as well. Because Yeah, you know, a whole yeah, bag yeah. of things. <laughs> yeah. Um, have you always been interested in, because like, so there's obviously a theme of you know mindfulness mm. and meditation in a lot of what you're doing. Have you always been interested in those kind of areas or was there a moment um, in your life where you started to, to think about things in that way? Yeah, no, I definitely haven't. Um, in high school, I, I thought I wanted to be an actress for many years. <laughs> and then I thought I wanted to be a lawyer and all these different things. And I never had any interest in sport. 
in doing any exercise at all. Um, certainly no interest in anything like meditation or yoga. It was always this other world hippie thing to do. Uh, but I also struggled quite a lot with anxiety and depression in the later years of my teens and then um, definitely into my early 20s. And I came across mindfulness um, actually as part of therapy when I finally decided to get help for some of those issues when I was in my early 20s. And I'd been practicing yoga for a while by then. I'd been practicing for probably three or four years. Um, But I think I approached my yoga practice then with the same mindset I approached everything, which was very much that it would be a way for me to improve on myself, Mm. you know. It was like an exercise that was also, yeah, 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 I'm totally becoming that yoga person. That's who I'm going to be, bendy and, you know, (laughs) I was living in Newtown, Sydney, so it fit in with my new persona as slightly indie, listening to the indie bands and going to yoga. (laughs) But I hadn't really let it sink in and seep into my skin and get into that mindful place until I started in therapy for anxiety and depression Uh, panic attacks and that sort of thing. Um, And my psychologist gave me Thich Nhat Hanh's book, The Miracle of Mindfulness. And we together, she and I, would do some mindfulness practices at the end of each session. And it was this completely different space, you know, when you're sitting in that mindful place. It was unlike anything I'd really felt before I was so used to just believing everything that my mind threw up (laughs) and just running away with the thoughts and not ever stopping to notice that and think about or not think about (laughs) the way that I was um yeah living and thinking and reacting um that's a really fascinating thing to say you know you you just kind of run away with the thoughts that your brain would deliver to you and you just believe them like they're obviously true because your brain's <laughs> yeah. them to you. I was exactly the same that's something that was pointed out to me during therapy as well was that you know you're, you just because you think it doesn't mean it's true yeah um, and it was kind of learning that um that process of like stopping and giving a bit of distance and space and time between um the thought and the reaction to the thought and you know that's exactly yeah that's um that is exactly it that's exactly what it gives me you know it's that moment to pause there's I think it's this misconception that when you meditate and practice mindfulness that you can get to this point where there are no thoughts or that that's a goal you know that you should get to a point where there are no thoughts for me it's more that it is a way to practice having those pauses and being able to rest in those pauses and noticing these thoughts coming and going but not just attaching to them and running away rather than trying to completely clear the mind. That's really, um, that's something I want to dig into a bit actually because Ben and I, um, we've, since the beginning of January, we've been doing yoga um, every morning and it's really, it's wonderful. Um, Like I've (laughs) practiced yoga on and off, but Ben's, he did a few classes last year, but this is the first time he's done it daily and he's really committed to doing it daily. Um, But as part of that at the end, we just have kind of, uh, maybe five minutes of laying on our mats and you're breathing deeply and trying to yeah, great. Kind of calm ourselves. And I've found um, lately, I used to be quite good at it, um, but lately it's been, like, I've started to grab onto the thoughts rather than let them kind of flow through. Um, and that's something that 
do you still have to practice, you know, letting those thoughts kind of flow through rather than grabbing onto them? Or, you know, is there something that like that you could suggest to stop me from sure. in my head? Um, I think I'd say a couple of things. One is that this is a practice that ebbs and flows. So sure, that might be what, you know, what is the case for you right now? But you said that it wasn't always, that before you didn't always run away with the thoughts. So maybe it's just that there's a lot going on and that your mind is, you know, busier than normal and you are doing that a little bit more, but maybe that'll soften and change again, give it another week or two. I mean, the biggest thing I can say is that everything always changes. So there's no one meditation practice that will feel the same every day for the rest of your life. Every time you sit down, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, the helpful, I went through a similar thing last year. And when I chatted to um, my teacher about it, uh, who is um, a teacher in the insight tradition um, of meditation, uh, she said something really helpful, which is that if you can notice yourself having um, a session where you are very, very distracted, can you notice how you relate to that? So could you set, maybe set a bell that goes off halfway through and just notice, not only notice what's going on for your body and your mind in that moment, but how are you relating to that experience? So if you are finding that your mind's really busy, can you just let your mind be busy? Or are you relating to that by feeling frustrated, annoyed with yourself, having this idea that it should be another mm. way? You know, we can often use these practices that can be really helpful, but if we're not careful, we can use them as another way to try and get somewhere different, try and be someone else, this idea of how we should be in meditation. Yeah, that idea of should is mm. um, so, it can potentially Toxic. be so damaging. Mm. You know, I say it like, yeah, absolutely, it applies to this, you know, meditation or um, yoga. And I also find it a really heavy um, presence when I talk to people about slow living because they're like, well, it should look like this. And if it doesn't for them, they feel like they're failing or they feel like that they're not doing slow living right when there's no such thing you know as, as totally. slow living right and I think that idea of should man if I could replace that um, I know <laughs> just like do a find all and delete or something find yeah, all and exactly. replace, replace exactly. <laughs> um, oh, dear. yeah that's real that's actually really um that's does a, that sense no, that? no it does it, it's I'm just I'm kind of thinking about how I'm relating to those thoughts and it's when I approach it like I shouldn't be doing this. You should be, you know, letting them flow that it kind of my brain reacts in the opposite way and kind of grabs yeah. on and, and results in frustration. That's I think that'll be really helpful. Yeah. I mean, I guess at the end of the day, you know, if that's what your brain is doing when you're lying down at the moment, then that's what it's doing. Mm -hmm. So let, let's not add the extra layer of suffering on top of that <laughs> yeah. to be pissed, you know, pissed off about the fact that that's what it's doing. Exactly. <laughs> Damn you, brain. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, so you've just finished um, 12 months of daily meditation, which is awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's, thank a, you. that's a big challenge. Yeah, it is. Um, it's funny. I think coming from this, you know, I, have, I, have, I am still someone that lives with anxiety and I can be a little bit perfectionistic and trying to get to the next goal. And I was chatting to someone and I recently, and they said, yeah, well done 12 months. And I'm like, oh yeah, but that's nothing. You know, <laughs> there are people that have been doing it for like 10 years. Come on. So my next goal 
And they're like, I didn't think this was a goal thing for you. And it was great because I was able to sort of catch myself. And I'm like, yeah, it wasn't. And, and yeah, and 12 months yeah. is awesome. Yeah. And that's great. And no, I don't have another goal. I just want to keep doing it. <laughs> so, yes. I'm something t- really powerful in that, though, isn't there? Like um, taking the goal away from things like mm-hmm. this. Mm. That's something that I, um, I've kind of gone to and fro on in the last couple of years. But if ever I approach something like um, daily exercise, for example, yeah. if I approach it with the goal of I'm going to lose five kilos, you know, yeah. um, it never worked because either I would get to that goal – and let go and congratulate myself heartily with chocolate and or you know I would I would never find um, satisfaction in it so when I kind of flip it and make it about how it makes me feel you know going for a walk every morning I'm not doing it for any particular goal but mm-hmm. other than to feel better you know I focus on how it's making me feel that I feel like that is really helpful for me oh, I totally totally agree and I think that this is where mindfulness can be such a great I guess I'm obviously unbiased because it is my sort of habit that is the foundations for many others um, but I think that it's great in that way because it gives you the space to reflect on what is actually really important to you how you want to live, how you want to feel. And then you work with habits from there that feel like you're engaging in exercise or you're sitting down to meditate or you're eating more healthily because you're trying to be nice to yourself in a way. You're trying to give yourself what's best every day rather than with this end goal in mind that once I do this, if I can set myself this task and if I can do this I will somehow be a better person I will improve upon myself yeah I will be I'll be happy I'll then then I'll be happy or then I'll be putting it off exactly that and in fact you can step back and start from this place of look no matter what's going on for me right now it is the way it is and it's okay but what do I really want right now to feel good and to be nice to myself and to you know do the best thing for my body and my mind, whether that's exercise, meditation, or maybe it is watching Netflix with a big glass of wine. I don't know. <laughs> Both of those options. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All of the above <laughs> exactly. in a day. <laughs> exactly. Um, so you, you're going to continue your daily practice of meditation? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I've recently upped it to 20 minutes, um, which I think every time I've increased, the first few weeks have been like, ah, mm. God, this is way too much. But I mean, look, one of the biggest things I got from the whole experience was the realization that it's absolutely possible to change yourself and your habits as long as you are, I guess, this idea of gentle with yourself and do it bit by bit. So although I'm, you know, this morning I sat down to do my 20 minutes and I actually had an experience a bit like you just said, my thoughts were everywhere. There was a moment where I pulled myself back and I'm like, oh, no, back to the breath, back to the breath. And I'd been thinking about my ice skating party in London when I was 11. (laughs) Where has that come from? (laughs) Recesses of my brain. So 20 minutes is feeling a little much at the moment, but I also know that if I give it a few weeks and I just persist, then it'll feel like normal, natural, just as 12 did, 10 did, 15 did. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I guess 
getting practical um, how, how do you meditate do you do you sit like, do you have a particular um sort of rhythm that you follow every morning or routine or, yeah yeah well I think um so how do I personally meditate yeah. or how should one okay yeah um personally I follow uh, I do Vipassana meditation so uh, it's a Buddhist form of meditation from the Theravadan tradition and then insight meditation tradition, um, which is primarily based in America. Uh, and it's, it's quite open awareness. It's focusing on the breath as an anchor, but also being aware of sounds and sensations in the body. And I think it allows for quite a free form sort of meditation. So it's not as strict as counting every breath. Okay. which I tend, you know, a lot of people love that. And it's a really great technique, especially when you ha- are having a really busy day in your mind. Um, but I found it a little bit rigid. So this one allows you to open. So I sit every morning, I drag out my cushion from next to the bookshelf. I, I like the, the sort of ritual of having, you know, that cushion, pull it out. And instead of tying it to a certain time in my day, I meditate before breakfast always, no matter what time that is. So if I wake up late, it allows me to do it later. You know, when I wake up early, I squeeze it in, I fit it in. Um, And then I set the timer and I sit for now 20 minutes uh, with a couple of minutes at the beginning before, you know, a little bell goes off just to let myself settle, do a scan of the body, notice, sort of check in. I have a little three-part check-in, check in with how my body's feeling, check in with how my mind is today and then check in with uh, my attitude towards the practice. Or as we said, you could also put it how I'm relating to it today. And then I have a few bells that go off at intervals. Um, I think that's really helpful. And it just allows me to come back to the breath time and time again, because no matter what, you're always often thought, and that's um, part of the practice. And then at the end, I either write in my journal. If I'm busy, I don't. I just get up and go. Um, but I've got a little meditation journal there and I've also got a gratitude journal, which is new this year that I'm writing three things that I'm grateful for at the end of my practice and trying to stack another little habit on top Mm. of meditation. Um, so I mean, I'm just listening to you describe the ritual of it and it really is about mindfulness, isn't it? You know, um, Mm. I think sometimes people and I have as well felt you can feel intimidated by the idea of meditation because it's this, you know, this skill that we need to learn. But on top of that, there's also all of these, um, you know, kind of insider knowledge and different ways of approaching meditation, things like that. Mm. Whereas what you're describing really is just a mindfulness, um, you know, checking in with your body, paying attention to your environment and how you're feeling and what your breath is doing, what your brain's doing. Um, and that's sort of... Yep. Yeah, I think I think that's a really accessible way for people who may not have necessarily thought about meditating to move into it. Yeah, well, I think um, if you think about it, what are we trying to do, right? We're trying to get to a point where we can rest, or me personally, I'm trying to get to a point where I can rest more in the present moment during my day, right? So train my brain to be less involved in the default mode network of the brain, to use a bit of a neuro science sort of term um, and rest more in an actual experience of what's going on in my day and my time on the cushion every morning is a given set chunk of time a little like if I went to the gym for 20 minutes and I decided that I wanted to improve the strength of my glutes for example (laughs) 
which actually is something I've been doing because I had a bit of a hip issue. So I'm like focus training on the glutes, right? Um, and I relate it to that. I mean, obviously that's also coming from the exercise physiology study that I'm doing, but it really does tie in. I'm working on these specific exercises to work on my glutes. And yet when I'm in my day-to-day life, I've always kind of got that in the back of my mind too. If I'm climbing stairs or going for a walk, I'm like, yeah, I'm still helping my hips. And I think the meditation, that's my set 20 minutes. I'm working on the strength of my brain to pull out of the thinking and into the present, Mm -hmm. whether that is by becoming aware of how it feels right now sitting on the cushion. How do my hands feel? How does it feel to have my sit bones sitting on the cushion? Or whether it's aware of I can hear the sounds around me, what you know, or breath moving in, breath moving out, everything that's going on for me right there. And then I can take that off into my day and be a little more present. And it means I can have a moment where I'm waiting in line at a shop and I can be like, sounds around me, mm. feeling my breath moving in, feeling my breath moving out. And I think that if you approach it from this, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to get to this place where I'm resting more in the present. It almost doesn't matter which technique you pick when you sit down. It's whatever helps you train your brain to do that, Yeah, I guess. I think, um, and having that, that kind of additional quiver in your bow, I guess, um, whatever the saying is, mm. um, to kind of <laughs> to dip into during the day as well is mm-hmm. so... Um, it's so helpful and I think if you can frame it that way uh, it becomes then a tool rather than a chore you know <laughs> you know yeah exactly also people might see it sometimes I know I've certainly seen it in times that I've tried to, to practice daily um, as something that oh man I've got to do it rather than this is actually helping me to get to the place that I want mm. and I think I guess that comes back to what we were saying before of this like you're not doing it because you're going to be a better person once you do it. Yeah. You know, you do it because you want to and you find that I think once you start as well, if you notice that you're starting to feel better, then there's your motivation. You know, it's this internal realization that, hey, this is quite nice to have this tool and have this ability to drop into the present a little more in my day-to-day life. I'm going to keep this going. And I think that, you know, there's nothing, there's no handbook for life that says what we should do every day. There's no reason that you have to meditate. I try to say this to people. I'm like, it's not for everyone. Mm. You know, not everybody wants to. And I should probably say not everybody can or should, you know, Um, certainly if you're in the midst of a trauma, um, suffering post-traumatic stress or severe anxiety, mindfulness meditation is not going to be the right thing for you. You're better off going and doing something like reading a good book or coloring in or knitting or going for a walk with a friend. You know, there are other ways that we can pull ourselves out of our heads without being practicing mindfulness meditation. That's really interesting that you say that, actually. I had um, a question from someone recently who, uh, because I've spoken about how simplifying and decluttering was Mm. my entry into um, slow living, but also it's how I combated some of my postnatal depression you know it really Mm. did that physical act of decluttering helped but this person sent me um a question and was really really worried about what would happen to his or her um depression which they were they were currently kind of working Mm -hmm. through if they spent all this time decluttering and then they had all of this time to sit and ponder life 
And they said that that's where their anxiety and depression actually stemmed from by sitting and questioning things and overthinking and analyzing things too much. So for someone like that, it might not be, you know, it it just certainly sounds like it's not the best way to to kind of. No, definitely not. Yeah. And that was my, my, you know, unqualified advice was to perhaps not think about um, sitting down and doing nothing. Like that's not the goal that you need. Maybe it's, looking at decluttering as a way to um, afford you the time and energy to do other things that you really do enjoy, things that do fill you up, like a hobby or reading a book or, you know, exercising or whatever it was. I like that take on it. That's, that's, yeah, that's a great way to frame that, I think. (laughs) Yeah, it was just, it was um, interesting because I think this person had, had kind of come across the idea that this will help with, with your, you know, your mental well-being but they were terrified that it would just give them mm-hmm. way too much headspace and that's something they didn't I, want. So. Don't we love the idea of a one-size-fits-all exactly. silver bullet? Hey, you know what? You do this, everything's great in your life. And there's, at the end of the day, there's no one-size-fits-all meditation, yoga, exercise practice because there's no one-size-fits-all person. Exactly. Like, exactly. Every single person is so different. Um, and I, sh- I should probably say here too, that like I teach intro to meditation courses. I'm still, I consider myself still very early on in my practice, um, been meditating for five or six years on and off, but last year was the first really dedicated year. Um, but if you are dealing with more stuff and you still think that mindfulness could be beneficial, there are the mindfulness based stress reduction courses out there, um, that are a lot more, in depth and the practitioners, the people that take you through those are usually some other allied health or psychiatrist or psychologist, um, who has learned this technique and this, uh, program. So that, that is probably somewhere to start if you're just a little concerned, but you still would like to give this, you know, mindfulness a go. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. Um, do you have any resources for people who are looking to start um, even just like a really gentle introduction to meditation? Are there any apps or um, things that you recommend for people? Yeah, sure. Um, I think uh, doing things in person, I think, is undervalued at the moment. Yeah. I think we talk a lot about apps and guided things. And obviously, we're doing this on a podcast and podcasts, there are some great um you know, resources online, such as podcasts and and other videos and apps and stuff. But I think getting to a yoga class can be a great start for a lot of people if they've never done anything in the world of mindfulness, because it's great to have that embodied feeling of being there. And it can add another anchor, I suppose, to the present moment. But if you actually want to get into meditation, um, so I did a beginner's course with the Insight Meditators, Uh, And if you just Google insight meditation and then your city, there are usually people around. Um, And if that's not available to you and there aren't community groups around, then there are apps out there like um, Headspace. I really enjoyed the Headspace one. I I dipped in and tried it. I was already meditating at that point. So it was more just to see what it was like. But I know that a a couple of friends of mine have really enjoyed that um, and then there's Insight Timer is the timer I use, and it has a whole load of guided meditations on there. Um, and then Dan Harris, a guy, an ABC news anchor from the States, he got really into meditation and he wrote a fantastic book um, called 10% Happier. And 
he ended up teaming up with um, Joseph Goldstein and Sharon Salzberg, and they've created another app called Meditation for Fidgety Skeptics. <laughs> <laughs> and I like that. And, I mean, that was me at the start. I'm incredibly skeptical. So any mention of visualization or connecting to, I don't know, I, I don't go for any of the mm-hmm. supernatural stuff, and I found I was always hesitant because of that. But that is a really nice way in. If you've got that sort of sceptical mind, it can be a really good way to, to get in. Um, and I suppose, I mean, I, I can mention a few of my favourite authors in case people are looking for books. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I really love uh, Tara Brack and Pema Chodron for their um, wonderful sort of compassionate approach to things, uh, especially like self-compassion, um, fierce compassion. I forget where I actually got that term, but I really love it. This idea that you can be kind to yourself, but it's a fierce compassion because if you need, if you know that something is going to be good for you, you can have the discipline to do it. Mm. But also with that soft edge of not doing it because you're trying to improve on yourself. Um, and then Thich Nhat Hanh, Jack Cornfield. Uh, Joseph Goldstein, who I mentioned, and Sam Harris, um, neuroscientist and philosopher, who was recently in Sydney, and I, I went and listened to him give a talk. He's got a book called Waking Up, which I found absolutely fascinating. Yeah, it's all about the neuroscience behind meditation and the riddle of consciousness. And yeah, awesome. it gets very nerdy, but I, I really loved it. <laughs> Uh, and I guess that would speak as well to like, your your study as well, um, exercise mm. physiology, which is something I wanted to talk to you about actually. Sure. Um, when you bring those two things together in yourself, you know, your yoga teaching, your meditation practice, uh, and then your studies into physiology, um, <laughs> how do you see parallels and connection there um, constantly? Yeah. Or I do, I do and I don't. So there are, you know, meditation and exercise are two quite different things. I think um, uh, it was interesting. Um, yeah, I've had this question from a few people. It's an interesting one. Uh, I, I think yoga is definitely one of the connecting factors and it started with yoga. Like I was, I did a media and I did a, sorry, I did a degree in media and politics back in the day. Um, so completely different and I had no interest in this world whatsoever. Um, and it was over the course of my own journey with my mental health and also some of the closest people to me, I won't go into it too much, but some of my absolute closest people in my life, um, within the space of 12 months got diagnosed, three of them got diagnosed with autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. And I was there with them for all of that. And really opened my eyes to what it is to live with a chronic physical illness Mm. or injury. And I just started to get fascinated and I was doing yoga and I was reading about how movement can help the body and how mindfulness could help them. And, and I'm, I am a nerd. When I start getting interested in something, I want to go all in, you know, I want to get right down into it and know the why I'm not satisfied with, Oh yeah, just because (laughs) it just just works. (laughs) So I was like, oh, I love how exercise just makes you feel. And I started reading these studies about how good exercise was, was for so many things. And that just triggered something. Anyway, I'm rambling. But I, um, this yoga was definitely the spark. And it sent me off into the two directions. So I kind of went into the mindfulness investigation exploration for myself um, primarily. And 
the fascination with the human body and mind on a physical level uh, and took that to the exercise physiology area. Um, and I'm hoping that once I am, so accredited exercise physiologist is what I'm going to end up being. I've still got three years left of that. <laughs> once I'm working in clinical practice, I will be prescribing exercise programs for people with chronic disease or injury. And I'm really hoping to work in the mindfulness. I guess actually it ties back to what I was saying before. Um, the intention that you set and starting from this space of mindful awareness of what you want, you know, how things are right now, what might be best for you and trying to strip back some of that, doing it for self-improvement, um, the understanding that exercise can be so good for us, not that it's a cure-all, again, no one size fits all, but that it can help us manage symptoms and live with whatever we're dealing with. Um, yeah, that was a very long rambling answer. No, but no, I kind of makes sense. No, it does, and I just I like. I mean, I can sort of see that um, the tension, I guess, between your mm. studies and then like uh, your your study your university studies, um, and then your um, like your practice as a yoga teacher and a meditation. And I guess there would be attention there I think because I guess and that mm. it's sort of part of what you were saying before about people approaching meditation yoga with skeptical kind of eye you know I think yep. it can seem very woo heavy if you don't um kind of understand or haven't had any experience with it well and to kind of bridge that that gap is challenging sometimes well I mean look let's be honest it, it can be very woo heavy yeah it you can. know like I, it's not a, I don't think that's actually a misconception <laughs> that's true you know <laughs> I think um I but even as someone who's been practicing yoga for over 10 years I I, I, I can find myself in class where I'm like oh no please I don't want to know about the <laughs> chakras anymore right now like and and I get I, I I don't want to be disrespectful to anybody who that's part of their practice because I guess what I realize is we are all on our own path and we need to learn things in different ways and different approaches appeal to different people. But um, I, I still think that people who are super skeptical and want rationalized reason um, behind things, I still think they can benefit from yoga and mindfulness and meditation. And I guess that's part of what I hope to offer mm. is that, you know, and I think that's why I ended up being quite drawn to the Buddhist style of meditation and mindfulness is that when you start to read and get into a bit more of the background of where that came from, even the Buddha would say like, you know, investigate, take this on for yourself, practice, give it a go, be a lamp unto yourself. To, I'm sure I'm getting the wording of that wrong, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I, that appeals to me. And I think that there are things about meditation and our experiences that can happen in meditation that science doesn't yet fully understand. Mm. But what I, I think my thing is that I don't want to just add an explanation there. Do you know what I mean? I'm like, I'm okay to sit with the question and to sit with the fact that we don't know everything yet. Yeah. And I think that scientific method is currently the best method we have to continue to investigate that. Anyway, I like the idea of investigation um, and I'm really solidly into the idea of experimenting this year. Um, mm, awesome. Ben and I are doing a one 
experiment a month because you know I, under the the big umbrella of slow living um so every month we'll try something new and kind of report back every week on that's great it's it, it's fun you know it kind of takes again that the results and goals oriented kind of approach out of it and, yeah. and it makes it about what you were kind of talking about then examination and exploration and um taking something on and and kind of feeling it out and figuring out how it fits in for us if it does fit in for us or if it doesn't um so i'm big on experimentation at the moment great idea i I love that yeah um so two more questions about meditation (laughs) (laughs) because i'm fascinated um did you notice any other changes or other habits that entered your life as your daily practice progressed, I guess, over the last 12 months? Habits? Uh, probably not so much. I mean, I've taken on this gratitude journal. Yeah. I can't remember the first place I heard that, but I'm pretty sure it was a podcast of some sort um, doing that in the morning. Uh, but that, I'm not sure if that's because of the meditation So I'm not really sure that I've taken on any extra habits because of it, but it's definitely changed me, which, yeah, that's, (laughs) sounds quite dramatic, but it is. Um, Mm. I feel like I am quite different to how I was 12 months ago. And even, you know, my mom and my grandparents, I mean, I got, my grandma asked me to teach her to meditate and I got her the app and she's, you know, she had a stroke last year and she was in hospital for a long period of time. And I got her the app and she was doing that in her downtime. And it all came about because she was chatting to me and said, you know, you seem lighter, like happier, less fret, you know, mm. <laughs> not fretting as much. What's going on with you? And it was this perfect opportunity to chat to her about it. Um, so I guess I, I think one of the things, two things, one comes down to the pause that I, there is a bit more space and I'm able to pause before I necessarily react to a thought. Um, which is pretty huge, you know, when you're struggling with any sort of mental health stuff, if you're able to take a step back from it and get perspective, that can often be enough to break a negative cycle. Um, And then the other thing is that I feel, oh, it's really hard to say this without sounding like you're corny or like I'm trying to, I'm not trying to big note myself, (laughs) but I feel like I'm a bit more compassionate, um, towards others I guess because once you've really had a good look in your own mind every single day um, and notice just how much crap goes on I look around at other people and it's just this realization that we're all caught up in this crazy you know mess of thoughts a lot of the time and it allows me to be a lot more forgiving where I might be annoyed if someone's short with me I can step back in a moment, you know, in a way and say, okay, well, I don't know what's going on for them right now. And I don't know what they're dealing with in that crazy old mind that we all get. Um, But it just gives me a little bit of space to not, I guess I can't really dislike anybody for things that they say in the same way, because I understand that it's a product of what they've gone through, what they're feeling, what they're thinking, what's going on for them. Oh, I don't know if that makes sense. No, but. that makes perfect sense. I'm just, uh, it doesn't sound, it didn't sound corny either. It's sort of, it's just, um, this will probably sound corny. Um, no, embracing it. kind of the humanness of everyone by embracing Absolutely. your own, you know, by Absolutely. really being okay with your own humanness and all the, the flaws and the strengths and the everything in between 
And then being able to see through that, that everyone is the same. Everyone has stuff going on. Everyone has flaws and strengths. And some days, you know, they're just going to get caught up in it. We so and, do. Yeah. So, and that's no, why, I think that's, that's awesome. And that's why I'm so passionate about meditation and mindfulness now is that, again, it's not for everyone necessarily, but for me personally, it's like, wow, this is actually a way that I can practice stepping out of that. Mm. And it's really accessible. You know, there were days, because I've struggled with some own, my own physical injuries, there were days where I couldn't do yoga, um, like a f- asana, asana practice. And so I had to go to meditation and I started working with that. And, and it's just so accessible. You can sit on a chair, you can do it in bed, you can do it on the train, in the bus. You can, there are everyday mindfulness practices like, um, oh, what's it? There's an acronym. Okay, I'll leave you one everyday mindfulness practice and a little acronym, STOP. S-T-O-P. Mm-hmm. And it's stop for a moment. T for take a few breaths. O for observe how you're feeling. And then P for proceed with your daily life. Right. And it's so simple. But you can do that whenever you stop at a red light. And that can be the little reminder to stop. And there's all, it's just this way of accessing um, a piece that is sort of beneath or behind this awareness, this consciousness that's there that's not identifying with all those thoughts that we all have all day, every day. I like that a lot. And, um, yeah, so what I'm hearing you say is just the 12 months has just given you that pause, that break, that moment, that, that stop to mm. um, get perspective, you know, mm. on it, both internally and externally. Yeah. Um, and I love your point that it's completely accessible. And I think that's one of the things that I would love for people to to take up from this is that like it's not you don't have to sit down for twenty minutes and, and no. you know continue Definitely not. this whole process is practice of meditation if that's not going to work for you. But you can incorporate other kind of mindfulness practices that will give you over time the same the same kind of pause and perspective. Yeah, I would love people to take that away. And and if you are going to start with meditation and you want to start a daily practice or not even a daily practice. You can make it a three-day a week or a five-day a week. I, I'm big on the daily practice because I really like rhythm and routine and I like having that habit, you know. Um, and I do think consistency is key. It's better to do a small amount every day or every other day than to do one 30-minute meditation on the weekend. Um, just, again, getting nerdy. <clears throat> Our brains prefer that. And no, that was my that was my final question actually whether right. it's better to do like a short three minute Definitely. practice every day rather than one long one on the weekend. Mm. Um, and I can understand that because I've, I'm I'm similar to you in that I think consistency breeds habit. You know, you can kind of Absolutely. create the habit if you just apply yourself over time to do it daily and just it's a thing that you do. I just got off a call with Gretchen Rubin just before I was I awesome. recorded with you, and she was sort of saying the same thing because the answer that you don't have to rely on your willpower if mm-hmm. the answer is just, no, I do this every day. Like I, you don't have to rely on willpower to brush your teeth because you just do it every day. And if you can approach it that way and make it such a small kind of amount of time, a small commitment that it's, yeah. it's a really low barrier, you know, yeah. you can probably find three minutes to sit yeah. down yeah, at some point. I like the, um, the term mental flossing. Yes. You know, like, You've got your dental flossing, now you've got your mental flossing. (laughs) (laughs) And I I usually suggest that people start with six minutes if they can. And if you can't find time to make six minutes, then you cut it down to three. So you stick to the schedule 
but you narrow the scope, yes. which I think I got that phrase from James Clear, who's a big habit guy. Um, I love that, you know, stick to the schedule, just narrow the scope. But I, I like six minutes because it's just a little more than five. Mm-hmm. So you're on your way to 10. Uh, if you ever want to get there, which you don't have to, again, there's no should, there's no goal here. Um, but it's not as difficult in someone's mind as a double digit 10 minutes, you know, anyway. I have a six-minute meditation on my website that's free to download, um, but I'm certainly not the master of all this. There are plenty out there um, on the Insight Timer and whatever, and there's nothing wrong with using guided meditation every day either. I will say that, certainly for getting started. You could do it for the first three months if that's what you need. Just use a guided meditation. doesn't matter. So your website is sitbreathemeditate.com? Yeah, just my new little blog only started last year, but I really want to share this um, this journey, I guess, that I'm on and these and what works for me and yeah. Oh, it's it's a beautiful website. I Thank went you. through and read all the posts the other day, and um, yeah, I've taken quite a lot from it actually. Um, and you also will be running later in the year a um, an online meditation course. Yeah, I will be the exact um, format. I haven't really formulated yet it'll definitely be an introductory course um i feel like i can teach from you know what i've learned so far uh and that is how to get started at this stage um so yeah stay tuned i also do run an a, one in person for anyone in sydney but um yeah those details on there too hmm. well, emily thank you that was um, thanks so much it was a good chat it was <laughs> Um, and I will chat with you soon. Great, Brooke. Have a lovely day. Thanks. Thanks. This has been another episode of the Slow Home Podcast. If you enjoyed it, be sure to subscribe via iTunes and leave us a rating or a review. Thanks for listening. Jack Rabbit FM. For your ears. Who is that? Hi, Puck Pass.